This is the second of a four-episode series addressing how you can tell if you can and should trust someone in whatever relationship that you are with them. In the first episode, I explained that you need to first decide what you need to trust them with and how much you need to trust them, because trust is relative, it's contextual and continuous. The decision to trust is based on the components of my relative trust model. It has six components in two groups. One group includes the who they are components of competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry. The second group includes the what they do during an interaction with you and is more of a first-hand experience that you have with them and your judgment or gut feeling of them. In this episode, I will cover the who they are components and how you can improve your accuracy in predicting if you can trust the other person based on them. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? So again, the who they are components are, are the components that th these are the type of things that, that you know, you know about the other person. And uh, those components are slow to change. They don't change much because typically you know them without that person being in the room. They could be transferable. So another person can tell you something about that person that you need to decide if, if you can trust. Uh they are the starting point for an interaction. I mean, you're going to interact with this person, but the starting point, the level of trust that you have at the starting point is determined on who they are and what you know about who they are. It relies mostly on evidence, and I'll tell you how to gather that evidence. And you, you can relate them to the what they do because this is what they typically do. So what they typically do is contributing to who they are or what we think who they are. One of the best definitions to the who they are is uh, that, that it's really their brand. This is, you know, Jeff Bezos uh, described, uh, he gave the best definition of a brand. He said, a brand is what people, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So the other person, the person you need to, tr to trust or you want to trust, uh, their brand is what you say about them, what you know about them, what you feel about them when they're not in the room. Now, you also heard the phrase, uh, your reputation precedes you, right? And so uh, it's their reputation that precedes them. Uh, what is their reputation? You know, the one I like even more is your, reputa your reputation arrives there before you do. So those people that you need to decide if they trust, if you trust them or not, their reputation arrives to you before they do, before you start interacting with them. I said that you decide to trust someone, at least on those components, the, the who they are, based on what you know. 
we need to be careful with what do we really know? Because it's made of really three parts. I, I, would, I would break it into three. And it's not cut and dry. The first one is what do we know to be fact? So what is a fact in our opinion, in your opinion? When you think about that other person, what is fact? Um, and, and, you know, I can argue that almost nothing is really fact because what do you know? Uh, you know, we're in a world where uh, there are different opinions and uh, alternative realities and, and so on. Uh, you know, when I talk about what what's fact, I, I remember during the COVID pandemic when uh, uh, one network... Uh, showed that the level that the number or said that the number of covid cases had declined and five minutes later in the national uh part of the same network they said that the number of cases has increased and you go wait a minute which one is fact well as it turned out both of them were facts it's just that the, we didn't get the context uh the number of cases had declined over the last uh, i think it was a month or so while in the last week it went up. So both of them were right. They just didn't give, give you the entire context. But that brings the question, what is fact? What is really fact? So, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to go too philosophical here. So we make decisions based on what we know to be fact. That's one. And I'm talking specifically about what we think about the other person, what we know about the other person, the who they are group of components. So what's fact? The other is what others tell us about them. So this is kind of a little less than fact uh, because, you know, do I know that what they're telling me is is 100% true? And, and it's not that they're lying to me, that the person telling me about this other person is lying to me as it is, do they really know that to be fact? This is where we get into rumors. You know, the person tells you something neglecting to say that they don't know that for a fact. Even your own research is, you know, you can look up their LinkedIn profile and their Facebook posts and, and start getting a sense of who they are based on those, uh, you know, maybe other research, uh, the other things that showed up. These, by the way, are all examples of transferable trust. That's trust law number five. Trust is transferable. So if somebody tells you that this other person is to be trusted, then you do trust them. So, you know, what do I know to be fact when I enter in an Uber car uh, about the driver? Well, I know that 973 people gave him a five-star review and his average is 4.9 stars, I'm going to call it transferable trust, and I'm going to say it looks like this is a good driver, okay? So what do you do? What do you do to improve your the quality of what you know about them or the accuracy, uh, at least in that context of transferable trust? Do your homework. Don't just rely on your gut. Oh, I'll let my gut tell me. Do your homework. Do as extensive homework as you can. Ask other people about them. Don't be shy. So again, trust is transferable. But you have to keep in mind one thing. The trust is personal. That's trust law number three. Trust is personal. And, and the very specific, um, 
I think the way I talk about trust being personal is that the same behavior that would cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you. And, and even though I'm not giving a, an example of a person, but but as a car, I remember when, when I was considering getting my Jeep Wrangler, I really, one day I, I decided no more BMWs, I want to get a Jeep Wrangler. And I specifically wanted the unlimited Sahara version. And uh, I looked up YouTube video as I was uh, on the treadmill and I found a YouTube video that said, Jeep Wrangler unlimited, worst <laughs> worst daily ride ever. And so obviously, because we're more attracted to negative things than to positive things, I had to see why was it the worst daily ride ever. And so what it said was that, uh, you know, if uh, the, the steering wheel is not telescopic, so unless you're over five foot nine, then then you're going to have a hard time reaching the pedals. Well, I'm six one, not an issue for me. Second thing they said was that uh, it's the ride is very hard. You know, you, you can feel the road, which is one of the things that appealed to me in a Jeep Wrangler, why I wanted a Jeep Wrangler. The next was that it's noisy, a lot noisier than, than other cars. Well, once again, that's why I wanted the Jeep. So what makes one person to say this is the worst daily ride ever is what made me say this is the best daily ride ever. And I did love driving the BMWs, but trust is personal. And so you have to be careful when you ask another person or you read a, a review that those are things that you really care about. Uh, and by the way, that's the same thing that I do when I look uh, up uh, recommendations on, on uh, Amazon. I go straight to the uh, one-star reviews and I look at why did they give one star review? And, and I look at are those things that I care about? You know, obviously, if 50% uh, of the reviewers gave it a one star review on things that I care about, well, then I'm not going to buy it. If only 1% or less than 1% gave a one star review on things I care about, I'm going to say, you know, maybe they just had a bad experience because here I have the majority giving it uh, a lot more, uh, let's say, five-star reviews on the same thing. So it's just uh, specific instances where, where some people uh, didn't get what they needed. But, but you know, maybe it's 10%, but when I look at those reviews, I go, yeah, those are not things... Uh, the, I understand that they didn't like it, but that doesn't... I don't care about it, Okay. So remember the trust is personal and, and be careful with transferable trust. Also, um, again, does this other person know? Is it fact to them what they're telling me about this person? So just categorize it. Just ask yourself, ask them, is this fact what you're telling me about this other person? I need to decide if I trust them or not. What you're telling me, is this fact or is this what you think and you don't really know that? Or, or is this an assumption? And it might be that they're just not telling you what they should, and they know that what they're not, what they're telling you is not true. And I'll talk a lot about that, um, and I'll bring up the case of a crash and a crash of Continental Airlines Flight seventeen thirteen, I believe, in nineteen eighty seven. I'll talk about that in another episode outside of this series, and what happens when you get the wrong or or they give you the wrong. Uh, uh, information about somebody to decide if you trust them or not.
And that leaves the, the third part. So the, the first one is what do we know that's fact? The second is what do others tell us? And the third is what do we assume ourselves? This is not fact. This is assumptions. This is kind of what our gut tells us. Uh, the first company I worked for in the U.S., my boss, the CEO, said, uh, don't assume because when you assume, think in your head, break the word assume into three parts. You make an S of you, the letter U, and me. That's the word assume. You make an S. When you assume, you make an S of you and me. That's what he said, which I thought was brilliant and uh, very coincidental that that's how the word assume breaks out. But why do we make assumptions? Very simple. We need a certain amount of information to make a decision to trust. We can't trust with less information. So we fill the gaps ourselves by making assumptions. So you want to make sure that you know, at least you know, what are your assumptions versus fact. So at least in your brain, you will know, you know what, this is something that I'm assuming and it's based on behaviors and based on certain posts on Facebook or LinkedIn or, or whatever. But at least you know that this is an assumption and you know to not rely on it as much as you rely on what you know for a fact. I'm going to start breaking down the three components of the who they are uh, set or group of components, uh, and that those are competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry. I want you to keep in mind that you need to look at the cumulative value of those three components, not just one of them. The, the, uh, the way I look at the trust that I have in another person or their trustworthiness, I look at it as the cubic root of multiplying those three components. So you can't have any of them at zero uh, and say the other two um, compensate for it. And again, it's contextual um, and relative. And, and so you need to look at it in the right context and again, the right level. So I'm going to start with competence. I found in one of my surveys that there was a 58.4% correlation between the level of trust I have in another person and my perception of their competence. Very strong statistical significance. Less, it's, if, if you're into statistics, there is a P of less than 0.001. Uh, just a P of 0.01 would make it uh, higher than 99% probability that I'm right in that correlation. We're talking about 99.9% probability. So there is a very high correlation between trust and competence. Uh, you know, th that 58.4% in simple words, that means that for every one point increase, let's whatever scale we have uh, of competence, there is a 0 0.6 point increase in the level of trust. That That's pretty strong. Now, the first thing is, once again, it's it's not binary. That person is competent versus incompetent. It's it's continuous, and it really depends on the level that I need. So you, you know, if uh, we're talking about, uh, first of all, by the way, I have to say that competence is a technical. It's a professional. It's a very objective component. A lot easier to measure, by the way, than the others. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's not relative because it is relative because your competence or somebody else's competence, if you need to trust somebody, their competence is measured through your eyes. 
Uh, it's not that I say that they're competent. It doesn't matter. What matters is, would you consider their competence enough for you to trust them? And there are different levels. Uh, you know, there, there is from the top, there is the best there is. It's one in a billion. There is someone who is world class in, in their competence on, on a specific issue. Uh, very few people in the world at that level. Uh, and, and, you know, they probably even know each other. They, they can be better than people in similar roles, uh, maybe in, in the companies, your company's competitors. They're exceeding expectations for that role. They're meeting expectations. Maybe they're at the average company level. Maybe they're at the industry average level, whether that's above or below your company level. Uh, maybe they are just meeting the minimum acceptable competence level for uh, that job or for whatever you need to trust them with. You know, they're 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 acceptable level. It's it's the minimum acceptable level. Maybe they're just not competent enough to do the work, and maybe they're the worst possible, completely incompetent. So there are different levels here. And once again, it's uh, the question is, when you need to decide if you trust them, uh, again, I'm, I'm using the trust uh, kind of in a binary way, but, but it's really, think of it as pole vault, you know, uh, as a sport. Uh, you need to first set the bar. How much do I need to trust them? And then ask yourself, do they meet that bar? Do they cross that bar, clear that bar or not? So let, let me give you a few examples. This is by no means an all-encompassing set of examples. But for every one of those components, I'm going to give you examples like this. So, you know, are they at the top of the skills required to do their job? That, that's a positive. Or do they have no clue on how to do their job? That's on the negative, the incompetent side. Are they very talented versus not very talented? Are they well-educated, whether it's formally or informally, for that specific thing that you need to trust them for? Or do they not have the enough education for that thing? Uh, you know, for being a pilot, you, you need a certain level of education. Do they have the proper, proper certification for the role or, or not quite? Once again, for a pilot, there is a very, very specific certification. And it's called a pilot certificate or a pilot's license. Um, do they have the most relevant experience for what you need to trust them with? Again, this is you're not asking, do they have enough experience? Oh, yeah, they have 35 years of experience, just not in the thing that I need to trust them with. So you have this is why you have to start by asking, what is it that I need to trust them with? And then ask, do they have enough experience doing that? Or, or they have experience that does not apply to this or just not experience enough experience in that. Do they have reputation for over-delivering on promises? If that's something that you care about. Remember, everything here is cumulative. Or people typically say that they don't do what they, don't do what they promise. Well, that, that would be bad, competence-wise. Uh, are they pretty accurate in what they promise they can do? Or do they typically under-promise? Do they typically meet schedules if that's something that's important? Again, I'm just giving you a list of things here to consider. And there are things that I may not have considered here. Or um, do they typically are they typically late? Do they typically meet budget needs? Or do they typically go over budget if that's something you care about? 
are they were considered high quality if that's something you care about or considered mediocre at the best um do they typically finish what they started or not are they considered responsible or irresponsible do people consider them good at their job or considered mediocre at best are they efficient at their job or inefficient uh, are they considered to be consistent or inconsistent? Are they confident in what they're doing or do they doubt them, themselves often? And, and again, I'm, I have to tell you because that's one of the scenes that I love the most from the movie Zero Dark Thirty where the Navy SEALs are uh, around the fire, I think. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, CIA agent Maya had just told them that their target uh, is Osama bin Laden and uh, one of them asked the other uh, do you really believe her do you believe that we're going after Osama bin Laden the other one says yes first one asked uh, what convinced you and the other one said, points to her and says her confidence yeah confidence is is a symptom of of competence you know there are people who are overconfident maybe that's a question you would need to ask yourself that that whether they doubt themselves or they're just overconfident uh, but that's that's another component of competence and, and whether they love their job. When people love their job, they're typically competent in it. Or people that hate their job are typically incompetent at it. And at some point, they're probably going to be fired for performance. Again, this is not an all-encompassing list. It's, it's a list of things that you should consider when you consider the other person's competence for what you need them to do to the level you need them to be competent. Um, and once again, you separate the research that you're doing. Do your research. Look them up. Ask about them. If you have the ability to do that, and, and I'll talk more about that when I talk about the what they do, uh, if you don't have the opportunity. But um, this is a sample list. You can think of other things, especially in the context of what you need them to be competent at. The next component of who they are is personality compatibility. This is a more personal one, a more emotional one, more subjective one. There is a pyramid of uh, personality compatibility issues. And that pyramid is at the top, you have the things that are absolute and universal. So whether they tell you the truth, for example, and I'll talk more about them when I give you examples. Then there are cultural things. I will talk more about culture and trust in, in a later episode, but there are things that are more common in certain cultures. So, you know, if, as long as everybody, the, the person you need to trust is the same culture of you, uh, then, you know, maybe you're going to have a lot more in common and, and you're going to be looking at things similarly. Then there are local things that could be, uh, you know, the company's culture, the city's culture, rituals, traditions, things that are more local. And finally, there are personal things uh, where, you know, there is no right and wrong. It's just different and the question is are you compatible and and this comes from the fact that trust is personal and that's one of the key things about my approach to trust and, and my relative trust model that trust is personal and you know you may trust one person and not another person uh the first person may be trusted by one person and not by another for doing exactly the same things 
Uh, it's important that, you know, I used to call that component shared values. I don't call it shared values anymore. Shared values is part of it, but I call it personality compatibility because compatibility does not necessarily mean similarity. So we don't have to be the same person to trust each other. Uh, you know, by the way, you, you can put two very similar people and they're not going to trust each other because they're similar. I mean, think about type A personalities. They're always going to be in competition. Put two type A personalities in a team and everybody's going to tell you there's competition between the two of them. They, they don't trust each other, which might cause the rest of the team not to trust them. Uh, sometimes it's the fact that it's you're complementary with the other person. So, for example, I'm the innovator and you're the executioner. You don't like to innovate. I don't like to execute. You love it that I innovate and you. I love it that you execute. We're different. We're, we're pretty much orthogonal. We're the opposite, but we're complementary. And because of that, we are compatible. So that's why it's important. Now, no two people are going to be 100% compatible. You're not going to be compatible, 100% compatible with the person that you need to trust or want to trust. So what you do is you prioritize in orders of importance. So we want to be compatible. You want to be compatible with the other person based on in the important things to you and accept the incompatibilities at less important things. Okay. So, you know, shared values is still part of it. And again, different people will have different values. So you want to make sure that you share the values with uh, the person that you're going to trust. And some of the values are not exactly, directly, closely related to the thing you want to trust them with, but they can be indicative of things that are going to be in the future. It is very unfortunate how politics got to play here and that members of one party do not trust members of another party. Because that shouldn't be the case. Because if you really go down to the differences between the, the ideologies of the, the different parties, and, and, you know, let's take abortion rights. Uh, the, what do we call it? The uh, um, right to choose versus the right to live. Uh, how does that relate to you need to trust someone, a pilot, in flying the plane? It doesn't, but, but it just got into the dialogue uh, and it's too bad. Shared values, I found in one of my surveys, to play one of the biggest impacts or, or roles in trust, and it had a correlation of 86.3%. So let's talk about what's compatible versus what's incompatible when you look at another person and need to decide whether you trust them or not. So uh, I'll start at the universal, the, the absolute good and bad layer, layer and talk about their, them telling you the truth. You want to know that that person tells the truth. However you're going to find out, uh, you want to know that that's somebody that that tells the truth versus somebody who's consciously lying. And obviously, there there is a spectrum. There is a range between the two. You want to know that they care about you, that they're empathetic to you versus they're self-centered. This will come back when I talk about what they do during an interaction. For some people, it's important that they obey the law. The other person is obeying the law as opposed to somebody who looks the law at the law as a mere recommendation and not a very strong one. You know what? That might not apply to everyone. 
What is it to you? Because that's what you need to look for. And you need to look for those clues in all the methods that I told you about. Whether you look them up uh, on their social media or any other way or ask people about them or get a sense and, and notice signals. Then there are things like, you know, that there are more local and cultural in, in how they behave. Things that, you know, I know that they're coming from a certain culture and I know that we may not see eye to eye on something similar. Like, for example, interrupting me while I'm speaking or interrupting you while you're speaking. Um, Americans tend to interrupt. Israelis tend to not let you even say the first word. And I can say that because I am Israeli. Uh, Japanese... Not only that will they will not interrupt, they will give 100% attention, then they will think about it before they ever start talking. Those are differences that can cause uh, differences in trust. But then we get into all of this uh, individual and, and different uh, layers, uh, different different areas where there is no good and bad anymore, but, but different people may not trust each other. So procrastination, for example, someone who's stressed over deadlines will not trust the procrastinator. So you want to know if you stress over deadlines, you want to know if the other person is a procrastinator. If you are a procrastinator yourself, may not matter to you that much. So it might rank lower in your scale of how you assess personality compatibility. But by the way, if that trust needs to be a two-way street, uh, you may want to know that it does matter to them. Someone who's frugal versus somebody who's a spender versus somebody who's a saver. Uh, does that play a role? Risk takers versus risk averse. Um, you know, someone who's a risk taker would tend to trust someone who's risk averse, but not the other way around. Uh, perfectionist versus non-perfectionist. Uh, scientists and engineers tend to not trust sales and marketing or business people in general. Political affiliation I mentioned. Uh, I'm not going to say there is a right and wrong in one of the parties. There's wrong in both of them. There's right in both of them. But unfortunately, it got to play into trust. Are you a person that likes the bottom line first or last? Uh, believe me, if the other person uh, is not the way you prefer to get information, you may not trust them. And I had that experience on the being trusted or not trusted side. Um, so I I'll, I'll guess I have to give a little more information uh, or give you a little more on that. I, I was I got to a point where I knew that my boss was not trusting me every time I asked for something, uh, take a certain direction. And it was very frustrating to me. And what I found was that I'm a person that likes to give the bottom line first and then give context or, or support explanation. One day I realized I felt that she was getting an immediate allergic reaction. Every time I would come up and propose something, she would get an allergic reaction to it. And one day I just asked her, do you prefer to get the bottom line first and then the support information, supporting information, or would you rather me take you through my thought process and at the end give you the and therefore here's my bottom line she said the latter and th that's when i realized she couldn't trust me because that's not what i gave her i i just changed at that point i changed um what would make her trust me 
Uh, then we have the uh, people who like surprises versus those those who don't. Inventors versus performers or executioners. The use of sense of humor and sarcasm. Some people, uh, you may be uh, uh, trusting someone who's sarcastic. By the way, the, uh, research shows that the use of humor and use of sarcasm increases trustworthiness, but that's not 100% true for everyone. People who have the sense of urgency versus people who don't. Demographic differences, generational differences, communication style, privacy preferences. I'm a very transparent person. I, people who are very close to me are very private people. And that can be a difference that can cause personality incompatibility. Those are the type of things you want to know about the other person. My ethical standards. Where, where do our ethical standards stand? Uh, you know, the legal standards are, are objective and apply to everyone. Ethical standards are different. They're more subjective. They're where we put them. And if the other person's ethical standards are higher than mine, I would trust them, but may have an issue the other way around. If their ethical standards are lower than mine, there are going to be an area areas where I don't trust them. Once again, this is not an all-inclusive list. Think about the things that are important to you. Uh, to to learn in, about this other person and, and learn that to know who they are when you need to decide if you can trust them or should trust them or not. And we're getting to the third and last component of the who they are group of components, uh, and that's symmetry. Symmetry is more situational. Uh, typically, you can't do anything about them. It's mostly objective, with the exception of fairness, uh, that's more subjective. Uh, in essence, symmetry is whether you're on the same side of the wall, okay? And then there's fairness. Uh, when you are, let's say, motivated by the same things, you're attracted to the same mission or vision, or you share the same common enemy, then you're more symmetrical. If you're in a competition, you're less symmetrical. So without further ado, I'm just going to step into the uh, different uh, examples. Again, this is not an all-encompassing. So um, being symmetrical and fair means that uh, you share the same vision or mission with this other person. So ask yourself, are they doing things for the same reasons as I do? Uh, yes, I, I can trust them. Less, not so much. If we don't have a common mission or vision, we do things for different reasons. Uh, are we on the same side? So this is pretty generic. Uh, are we on the same? Do we feel that we're on the same side or not? Uh, do we have a common enemy that kind of forces us to be on the same side or not? Uh, are we being treated equally and fairly by another person? So oddly enough, uh, if you are treated better than the person you need to trust, you may not have an issue trusting them, except if you are worried that maybe because they know that they're not being treated as well as you are, they may not perform as good. So, but but definitely if they're treated better than you are, should you trust them? You, you, you may not want to. Then we get to the contribution. Uh, do they work as hard as me? Do they work as long hours as me? 
Uh, these are things that would affect uh, how you you decide to trust another person. Now, I'm talking about work, but the same applies to a marriage. Um, are is the other person working as hard on this marriage as I am? Not that you need to work hard on marriage, but you know you do have to work on the marriage, and and you don't trust a person that doesn't do anything, lets you do everything. Do you receive equally compensation? Uh, or do they receive equally compensation, mindshare, and resources? Uh, when they get more than you, you may have an issue trusting them. Um, you know, one one of the things is, uh, don't you hate it when you call someone, you're always the person who calls them, and they never call you back? Uh, so do they call you back as much as you do? Do, do, do they show you that they're that this relationship is important to them as much as it is to you. Is it a reciprocal uh, relationship or do they not return favors? You give them stuff, they don't ever give you anything back. Um, Where you are hierarchically in the organization is important as well. And um, if they are higher than you hierarchically, you may not trust them as much as if they're at the same level or or even lower. Um, because you may think that they have other things that are more important. They're higher hierarchically. Uh, and that's a consideration. Um, and again, we get back to uh, do they care about you as much as you care about them? Uh, which again goes into empathy and it, it probably pre- plays a role because the, the lines, the borders are not very strict uh, between this and, uh, and personality compatibility. And later I'll talk about positivity. So this is again an example of a list. The list is cumulative. Uh, keep that in mind. In, in summary, a few uh, last words. Uh, these lists that I gave you about the three components, competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry and fairness, these are not all-encompassing lists. You have to ask yourself, under those categories, under those umbrellas of competence, of personality compatibility, of symmetry, what are the things that you care about to be able to trust the other person? Keep in mind that those are cumulative. So don't just look at one symptom and say, this is it, uh, this is how I'm going to decide. Just ask yourself, what are the type of things under each one of those umbrellas? Uh, These are the things that you need to know about the other person. Always, again, separate what you know for fact versus what other people told you. Whether they knew that for a fact or whether they're telling you what they really know, keep in mind that it's personal and keep in mind that some of the things you may be assuming and it's based on weak signals as opposed to uh, real fact, hard fact. Now, if I'm you, if I were you and I just heard what what I told you, I would go, this is overwhelming. I, I can't do this. This is just overwhelming. Um it shouldn't be overwhelming, but it should be overwhelming if you need to really put a lot of trust in this other person. When you're about to marry someone, yeah, you know what? It should be overwhelming. You should go into very deep research before you do that. I just celebrated exactly a week ago. I celebrated my 30th anniversary with my wife. You know what? You don't get to 30 if you don't if you can't trust the other person. So this is your opportunity to know that before. 
When you hire someone, you want to know as much as you can. You don't just go, well, you know what? Looks good to me. I'm going to hire them. I'm going to have to trust them. Well, we already know that bosses only give 39.5% uh, importance to trustworthiness of their employees. Um, but uh, you need to trust them. You will need to trust them. And uh, you want to do this research. So it depends on how much you need to trust them in how deep your research needs to be. If you need to trust them with something very little, your research needs to be very small, very short, very quick, not very deep. If you need to trust them with a lot, then yeah, your research needs to be very deep. One other thing to keep in mind, you may not have the opportunity to make this research, especially if you didn't even know you're going to encounter, encounter this other person. In this case, there's very little, if at all, that you would know upfront on any of the who they are components. And this is where you're going to have to make your decision based on what they do during that interaction with you. And that is the topic of our next episode. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.